Hi, and welcome to Foresight, the CPA podcast, a podcast produced by CPA Canada that explores the future of the accounting profession. I'm your host, David McGuffin. In each episode, we'll reimagine what CPAs do, how they do it, and the impact they have around the world. This podcast is part of the Foresight Initiative from CPA Canada, aimed at setting a new strategic direction for the Canadian accounting profession. So, let's get started. In 2021, change is the new normal. We see this everywhere, in the global economy, in our working worlds, in our physical environment. The accounting profession is no exception. Over the last two decades, we've seen changes within the profession that have necessitated new skills and the adoption of new ideas and technologies. So, when we look to the future of accounting, what does the profession itself look like? What are the jobs of the future, and how do we best equip ourselves to excel in these new roles? To discuss this, I'm very happy to be joined by Tim Jackson. He is the chair of the Competency Map Task Force, which is responsible for the creation of CPA Canada's new Competency Map, a document that lays the foundation for the CPA certification program, including education, accreditation, examinations, and practical experience requirements. So Tim, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, David, for having me on. So much going on in the world right now and so much going on in the accounting industry. How important is it that accounting adapts to these changes and what are the risks if it doesn't? Clearly the world is changing. And so we would be naive as a profession if we didn't say we have to change along with it. So, uh, so change, quite frankly, is critical. Um, and it's not just change for change's sake. The World Economic Forum does a job survey every four or five years. And in the most recent uh, version that came out last year, they identified which jobs are on the increase and which jobs are on the decrease. And I think it's a bit of a wake-up call for the profession because when you look at the decreasing jobs, number one was data entry clerks, number two was administrative assistants, but number three was accounting, bookkeeping, payroll clerks, number four was accountants and auditors. And so that is a huge wake-up call for the, the industry. And perhaps even more uh, concerning is the uh, the previous report, which was four years prior, had accounting and auditing and bookkeeping at number seven. So what it's saying is our jobs are becoming less and less relevant and will be in less and less demand. So we have to change. Otherwise, uh, you know, we, we have to adapt and evolve. Now, the good news is when you look at the increasing jobs, the number one is data analysts and scientists. Number three is big data specialists. So I view that as an opportunity. There's an opportunity for the CPAs and the profession to say, we can play a role in that. You know, if you think about the traditional accountant, uh, we've been dealing with data throughout our history. Most of it, people think about it as the, the numbers and the financial statements and, and the data that goes into financial statements. Well, perhaps there's actually a role for us in validating, opining on uh, data that goes beyond just pure financial data. So to take that a step further, from a career development perspective, what should CPAs be thinking about in order to protect their relevance? And I think you've touched on this a bit, but what, what sort of value-added things do they need to look at in this evolving landscape? I think there's no question one of the, the most important things that any CPA can do at any point in their career is they need to learn how to learn, which is the, the sense of being able to adapt to a, a changing world. There's some really interesting work that's been done by RBC um, that looks at youth, for example, and it's, a, it's a, some guidance they provided youth and uh, saying, what will the job market look like? And so they've identified that 25% of Canadian jobs will be disrupted by technology in the 
uh, upcoming decade, and more than half will see an overhaul of the skills required. Well, that translates to accountants uh, just as well as it does to any other profession. And so there's this idea that you constantly have to be upskilling. I think you constantly have to be thinking about micro-credentialing. You have to be thinking about how do I learn how to learn to change. You know, RBC, one of the other findings they had in that, that report was that all job openings of the future will put uh, some importance around judgment, decision-making, um, and, and two-thirds of new jobs will require an ability to manage people and resources. So what that says to me is that as our profession thinks about the future, yes, there are things that are going to be taken over by machines, and yes, there are things that are going to be automated, but that idea of judgment and decision-making is, is going to be so critical for our profession. And so when we think about you know, the new CPA, and what should the CPA of the future have? Has to have that technical base and competencies, but it also has to have that ability to provide judgment, uh, to think critically, and to provide value add to, to those that, that they're reporting to or those that they're working for. So you talk about new skills that are needed. I mean, what, can you be specific about that, a little more specific about what skills and competencies are needed for the CPA of the future? Yeah, I, I think you break the skills and competencies into three buckets. And so you have what I would call the technical skills. Those are the things that people probably think about when they think about accountants. So we understand what an asset is. We understand the difference between an asset and a liability. Uh, we understand you know, how to keep order in, with data and financial stuff. So you have that technical competencies, and that's what makes us accountants as opposed to some other profession. You then have a second set of skills that are what makes us a profession versus a non-profession? So those are things like you know, understanding ethics, acting uh, in the public uh, interest, uh, adding value. So those are, uh, say, are the, the ones that differentiate us as a profession. So now you have an accountant who is in a, a profession that is self-regulated, so there's an external acknowledgement that, there's, that we are different than, than someone who's unregulated. But then the third piece is this, this big critical piece, which are the, the human-centric skills or values. And these are the things that I think we have not necessarily traditionally thought about when we think about accountants. And these are things like being curious, being adaptable, being collaborative, being in, thinking about inclusivity. So how does ESG fit into to decision making uh, and communication skills? So those are the things that a, a machine can't do. So those are the things that differentiate us from a machine. So if you put those three things together, that's what I think the accountant of the future needs to look like. And if you were to direct sort of a young CPA into how to gain, gain those skills, I mean, where would they learn them? Where would they acquire them? What's, what's the best place for them to be looking? Yeah, I think there's a couple of ways to unpack that. One is that um, this new competency map that you referred to will actually drive how post-secondary institutions uh, get students ready for uh, the certification process in the profession. So part of this, we assume, will continue to be learned at the post-secondary level. But one of the challenges the profession has generally had uh, in the last little while with, the, with our post-secondary institutions is we have been very prescriptive. And we have, we have said to them, you must teach all of these things for someone to be qualified to be a CPA. And it's meant that those schools, at universities, colleges that are teaching uh, future accounts have had no flexibility to be able to provide what you might consider to be electives or non-core non courses. So number one is we're going to free up some capacity at those post-secondary institutions with the new competency map that, that we're going to release. So Yes, there will still be technical knowledge that's important, but we're also going to say to those post-secondary institutions, you need to figure out a way to 
bring ESG, for example, into uh, the curriculum. You need to figure out a way to bring group work into the, into the curriculum. So, so number one is the students will learn there. The part of their post-secondary education journey will look a little bit different and will help equip, equip them for those skills. The other piece is the profession is going to have to deal with where do we learn certain things. So in other words, there's things that will be learned at university or college, but there will be other things that will be learned on the job. And those might be through internships, those might be through co-op placements, or they might be post-certification employment. And so I think we have to be helping employers uh, provide you know, tools and resources to allow employees to learn on the job. Because not all this stuff is, can be learned you know, in a classroom in a theoretical sense. It needs to be, be hands-on. And so part of this overhaul of the profession is not as simple as just saying, here's the things a CPA or needs to know, uh, but it's also saying, so what's the role of the post-secondary institutions? What's the role of the profession in terms of ongoing professional uh, development? You know, what's the role of the, the testing or the, the, the process to evaluate? So you know, the, there's a whole change going on within the, the CPA profession. And I think it's going to set us up well for the future. And I mean, if you had to pinpoint the main danger spots coming coming towards us now, what would those be? You know, I think when people think about automation of many of the practices that we have we have traditionally done, um, it's a huge, I think, area of concern for the uh, for the sector. And so this is where I think we need to adapt, and we need to be thinking more about. You know, how do we think about the future versus the past? And so when you think about automation, for example, many of the, the roles that, you know, when I was going through as a, as a CA student and an articling student, um, a lot of the things I did today are just automated. They are literally, you know, push a button and, and it happens. So that doesn't exist anymore. And quite frankly, there'd be no value add that I can provide over and above a machine. But when you get to things like interpreting uh, data, if you get thinking about how you use past data for the future, that's where I think the, the, you know, the profession will really shine. And I think that's where the value of the, the designation, uh, where someone can say, you know, there is value in having a CPA. If you think about today, for example, uh, public companies, charitable organizations, for-profit, non-profit, will typically say, we want our audit committee chair to be a CPA. We want our CFO to be a CPA. And that's because there's an assumption that, that the profession brings a certain rigor, a certain set of uh, criteria and credentials. So while those roles may change, I still think it's important that the profession will, will be seen as we want the CPA in that role. It just may be some of the data that CPA is working with differs today than it did 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I just want to touch you on the idea of automation and artificial intelligence and just I mean, obviously, there are issues with that, but are, are there also opportunities that open up? Yeah, I think there's huge opportunities. Um, you know, I've referenced this idea that certain things that we used to do may be, may be automated, but the computers, they can't do the, the analysis the way that I, th I think a, a human can. They can't communicate the way a, a human can, and they can't take a, a set of data and, and then put some intangible characteristics around it to say, with this set of data, I'm now going to provide some guidance as to what, what can happen in the future. So yes, they can interpret, but I think the, the reality is a human can interpret in, in a context probably better than a, um, a, you know, a machine can. There's no question that automation has, has helped and changed the, the profession, and we've seen some of that 
um, through, the, through the pandemic. Um, but at the end of the day, you still are looking for people to interpret. And you know, when I think about sitting around the C-suite, uh, whether it's in a corporate sector or whether it's in the nonprofit sector, people want people to tell them what to do. People want people to help them interpret what has happened. So the computer may spit out a set of results, but then I need to, you know, to go in and, or someone needs to go in and say, you know, here's what this means and here's the implications for us moving forward. I mean, I'm intrigued just by what the idea of an increased focus on what doctors would call bedside manner almost, I think it's, and I'm wondering how, is that something that gets worked into curriculum? Are there actually courses on dealing in, with empathy and with different ways of brainstorming or working with clients that needs to be more of a focus? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think we need, do need to make that a, a bigger focus. And I think the great thing about the curriculum that we're proposing and the competency map is that post-secondary institutions will have some ability uh, to differentiate themselves. And so I think this ability to say, we're going to put students into perhaps even non-accounting courses, uh, non-accounting situations, and, and start to show them some of these communication skills, for example, or uh, analyzing a problem, uh, doing it in group work. You know, when I went through, uh, and I'm going to date myself, you know, I studied the handbook and I studied the tax act. And for the most part, I could get all the way through and get my CPA in theory without ever having interacted with somebody. But the reality is, if we want to add value to a, to a client or whether that's an internal client or external, um, you have to be able to work with other people. And one of the, thing, the things that universities and colleges can do is, is encourage people to be working in groups. As I always say to, to students, you don't get to pick your, your coworkers. And so it's no different than at, you know, in a university or college situation. You may be thrown into a group with people that you don't know, and you have to work together to solve a, a problem. And so I think we have to be showing people as they, they go through the early stages of, of coming into the profession how to do that, how to work with people that you might not get along with or how to work with people that you didn't know before. Because let's face it, you go into the workforce, that's what's going to happen. You don't get to pick your coworkers. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So for a new CPA or someone even considering a career in accounting, what, what advice would you give them at this point? I think the biggest thing they have to think about is embracing the idea of learning how to learn and, and embracing the fact that you know, technical knowledge today will be dated a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And therefore, there's a, there's a constant need to upskill. There's a constant need to learn. And I think at the end of the day, curiosity is probably the biggest asset they can have, is you know, thinking about what's next and what's the future, trying to stay ahead of it. I think that you know, for the CPA of the future, it's all around adding value. It's not so much focused on historical information, which is traditionally what people, when people think about CPAs or accountants, they typically think about someone who is dealing with historical data. And I think what we're seeing as a profession is we're shifting to say that historical data is important, but it's really what do we now do with it for the future? And so this idea of interpreting, analyzing, and then making recommendations. So to your specific question, a student coming in or a young person coming into the profession needs to be curious, needs to think about um, how do I take a set of specific information and think about how I add value moving forward. And, you know, they do that in, in large part by understanding the world in which they live in. And so, but I think that idea of curiosity and saying I need to constantly be learning will serve them well. That's great. And I can't let you go before um, 
uh, ask you a question about the topic that's on everyone's mind right now, which is the pandemic. Um, and I'm just curious to think what you think COVID-19 has illuminated in terms of the changing nature of accounting. I think like many things, it's, uh, it's both been positive and, 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 and negative. In many ways, it has forced the profession to accelerate certain activities or actions. So when this first started, you know, 15 or so months ago, uh, I think people thought, well, I can just delay things for a little bit. So take an audit, for example, if we look at the audit side of the profession. So I'll just delay my audit, and then when this is over, I'll get it done. Well, 15 months later, you, you had to have an audit done at some point during the, that process, because we're now well over a year. And so what that meant was that audit firms had to adapt. Client said, so how are you going to audit my, my business uh, when I can't have anyone in the office? And so I've been amazed at the number of organizations I'm involved with as a board member, volunteer, ranging from small nonprofits to a Canadian bank who all had their audit work done without the auditors ever stepping foot into the client premise. So some firms were ready for that. Some firms weren't. Some firms probably had a two or three year plan to go you know, paperless. They had to accelerate that and their two or three year strategy suddenly became a two to three month strategy. So that has been a, a huge change and, and, and in many ways has accelerated the, the adoption of technology by, uh, by the profession. On the other hand, it has made some things tougher. So I will talk to people who have, have been out doing audits and yes, part of be, doing an audit, for example, is making sure the numbers are accurate and verifying against source documents. But a large part of an audit is also interacting with a client and getting a sense as to, is there a bias in there? Is there not a bias? And so they've had to learn, how do you, how do, you do that over Zoom or video conferencing, where you can't see someone's hands, you can't see all of their body language. And so some of the things that you would normally pick up by just being in, on a client's premises for perhaps a week, two weeks at a time, uh, they've had to find other ways to, to try to get the answers uh, and, and read the intangible parts of responses. The other piece, though, that I think has been a big shift for the, the profession is this idea of where you can work from. And so if you take a company that might have been based in Winnipeg, who has traditionally said, well, my entire accounting department has to be based in Winnipeg because I need them to be local. And suddenly they've added people and they, they find that, well, we've got someone who's working from home, who's our controller. We've got someone else in the accounting department who's, who's working from home. And they now realize it doesn't matter whether those people live five minutes away from the office or five hours away from the office. So for the profession, I think it opens up a ton of doors on both sides. So for people looking for, for work, they, there's now many more opportunities. Uh, and for companies, governments, nonprofits, anybody who's hiring, now says, oh, I can actually employ uh, people from you know, right across the country or, or across the world. Uh, I'm amazed that, uh, who would have thought pre-pandemic, but there are companies and organizations who have hired CFOs, CEOs, and those people have never set foot inside the, the premise of the organization they're working for. We wouldn't have seen that pre-pandemic. So I think that you know, there's been some downside to it, but there's also been some upside. And I think once we get through it, the profession will be stronger because of it. Well, that's a, that's a positive note. I, th I think we can leave it at that. Thanks, Tim. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. You're very welcome, David. Thanks for having me. That's Tim Jackson. He is the chair of the Competency Map Task Force. Foresight, the CPA podcast is created by CPA Canada in partnership with Podcraft Productions. For more information about the Foresight Initiative, head to 
foresight.cpacanada.ca. I'm David McGuffin. Thanks for joining me. See you next time. Please note the views expressed by our guests are theirs alone, and not necessarily the views of CPA Canada.